Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Ajlene. And I'm Gracie. And this is called The Feminist Critique, where we, you know, something something, talk about movies, feminism, inclusivity. Yep. Wow. That was <laughs> so professional. Well, you know, it wouldn't be a podcast without me being professional. Um, but this week, we have a guest, and that is Will. Hey! Who is from... <laughs> sorry, I did sorry. So thank you There's for being... There's a bit more of a ramp up to that than I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> pretend, pretend, pretend I'm well, not here. Pretend I'm like... not here. <laughs> um, uh. So Will is actually... Um, a host of his own podcast, and that is, um, can you say the name? Uh, the <laughs> podcast is Elwood City Limits. It's the episodic Arthur podcast. Yes. Awesome. I'm all for and, this. And, and you've also been nominated for an award yeah. for your podcast, Yeah, right? I mean, we've been nominated the last couple of years uh, here in uh, where I live, Halifax, Nova Scotia. We have a weekly alternative paper called uh, the coast and we've been nominated for a best podcast uh for two years in a row now but uh because of the prevalence of the sick boy network uh we can't get in so it's still nice it's still really nice to be nominated and it's yeah that's it's been pre- pretty cool Aww. damn so, corporations um, quick question how do you get nominated <laughs> well ideally <laughs> you have your lovely listeners uh go over to uh, they usually have a link around, I want to say, the summertime or something, and it's, they just take open oh, nominations. Okay. So you just tell your listeners to uh, nominate you as many times as possible, and uh, if you have uh, listeners like we do, uh, who are very nice and uh, uh, will do a lot of cool things for you, then uh, they will do that. That's yeah. awesome. That's pretty cool. Also well, for uh, our podcast buddies that actually listen to us. <laughs> And they live in Halifax. I should also say, since uh, <laughs> I'm going to be, you know, once this episode comes up, I'll, you know, give it a retweet on our feeds and everything. In case anybody is here listening from Elwood City Limits, uh, I'm going to be doing a bit more swearing and it's not going to be bleeped. So, uh, you know, not protect, at all. Pr- uh, yeah. protect your. Pr- this is a cussy. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty blue. Uh, humor. So, Elwood City um, Limits. We we try and keep it clean. It is a it is a PBS Kids show we talk about, but this is a this is a different matter. So I'm just gonna be fucking be fucking see, natural. If you were but... on our other new podcast, it'd be different. <laughs> but I still swore on the first episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, uh, by the time this comes out, um, we'll have dropped our first episode of Disney Dives, uh, and Ashley just does not know how to do PG language. We had to start over because she was cussing. And I was like, Ashley, you're not supposed to cuss. And she's like, well, shit's not a cuss word. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, like, even in the beginning, we had we had to be like, okay, we can't, we probably shouldn't swear on the show where children could listen to us. So, and right. it, we still, like, slip up and I have to bleep some stuff out. But, uh, you know, you kind of get used to it after a while. You get to just kind of have to get into the groove. Yeah. Well, it's like, I, you know, being in radio. <laughs> like, I've never sworn on the radio at all. But, yeah, in real life, I can't. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure I did at least once or twice by accident. And then was immediately like, whoops. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Um, 
So, you're here because we are starting our Happy Gilmore slash Adam Sandler month. Uh, this movie is not a Happy Gilmore production, uh, but it is an Adam Sandler movie. Uh, and we are doing... I said Happy Gilmore. It's a Happy Madison production slash Adam Sandler month. And this is an Adam Sandler movie, but not a Happy Madison production. There it goes. Uh, and we're doing Happy Gilmore. You know, I'm glad that you corrected yourself because I feel like I need to immediately be more aware since I'm on the feminist critique. I need to really watch that I don't mansplain too much. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all right. <laughs> uh, um, so... Uh, Gracie, can we get some of those stats? Yeah, for sure. Um, oh shit. Look up the Rotten Tomatoes score. I forgot that one. Sweet Jesus, um, Gracie. Come on. I know. It's not like I do research for two podcasts or anything. Man, um, you're you're like the ho- the type of host that Happy Gilmore is to golfing. <laughs> so wow. I so I have I have the toma- the tomato meter here if you want if you want it. Oh, please. Uh what was the Okay, critics? so the um I'm also realizing I never read Rotten Tomatoes. I got it. Usually, you go ahead. (laughs) Okay. uh, The tomato meter is 61, and the audience score is 85. Oh, okay. So, audience definitely loves this more than critics, which is understandable. Mm -hmm. Um, Definitely not the worst critic score that Adam Sandler has ever got. Jack and Jill. He has far to fall from this point. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, this is like a happy high, you know? Um, haha. So, this movie came out in 1996. It had a budget of about $12 million and a box office of $41 million, so it wasn't a huge hit. It's kind of become like a cult classic, mm-hmm. you know? Um, oh, wow, okay. I thought it, was, it did way better, but I guess maybe it was uh, after the fact with uh, DVDs. Well, I guess VHS. VHS. <laughs> and playing yeah, it on cable, too. It was still VHS. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is probably a really good HBO movie back in the day. Um, it was directed by Dennis Dugan, who also directed Big Daddy and Don't Mess with the Zohan. <laughs> it was written by Tim Herlihy, uh, who also wrote The Wedding Singer, worked for Saturday Night Live, and also wrote Pixels. Which is another very terrible Adam Sandler movie. So these these guys have been um, part of the Sandler orbit for a long time, and arguably still kind of are. So it's interesting to see yeah, that um, everybody involved in this is going to be going on a twenty plus year tailspin. Well, that's yeah. the thing. Like Adam Sandler is very loyal to the people that you know his friends and stuff. Like he's given them jobs. Mm. Yeah, when I think an Adam Sandler movie, I always think Kevin James, Ben Stiller, uh, Rob Schneider. Like, those four are in I can't so wait many... for that Russian Revolution movie. What? Kevin James plays Trotsky in the Russian Jesus. Revolution movie. Jesus Christ. Um, I'm uh, kidding. It was also... No, it was a... Please tell me that. It's from joke. Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Okay, thank God. Um, it was bad enough he did that one, he did Pixels, and he played an idiot who happened to be president, but then, then again, look where we are. Um, and this movie was also written by Adam Sandler. Uh, now, cast. 
Uh, we have Adam Sandler, who plays Happy. He was in The Longest Yard, Big Daddy, Billy Madison, The Waterboy. Let me tell you how close we came to doing The Waterboy instead of Happy Go More. It was really close. If only because we had been at a, on a last podcast on the left binge. <laughs> and we were like, he's totally a serial killer. He, he has all of the signs. <laughs> my God, my dad was like... How could you be doing an Adam Sandler month and not do The Water Boy? How dare you? He loves that movie. Wow. <laughs> yep. Um, so uh, Christopher McDonald is also in this Yay. movie. He plays Shooter McGavin. Uh, I knew I recognized him. He's been in a lot of stuff, but uh, he's recently been in Ballers, which is a Dwayne The Rock Johnson TV show. Um and he oh, was in Thelma and Louise. He was the guy that they ended up shooting. Oh. He was also in, um, I think it was uh, at least one episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. It's the one where they go to like an alternate present. And uh, him and... Uh, was he president? <laughs> no, but he was, uh, he was a quite heroic <laughs> leading man in a, in a big change from the Shooter McGavin role. I, I don't know why, but as a kid, I used to get him confused with the guy that plays Neil in the Santa Claus, Judge Reynolds, but they look nothing alike. If anything, he looks like David Hasselhoff yep. more than you anything. Think so? Just a little. Just enough, you know. I think it was the hair. Um, Julie Bowen plays Virginia. She has been on Modern Family and Boston Legal. Carl Weathers plays Chubbs. He was in Predator, uh, Rocky. He played Apollo Creed. And he was in the Mandalorian TV show that is on Disney+. Plus. He plays Grief Karga. Oh, uh, okay. Dennis Dugan plays Doug, who is, like, the chairman of the golf committee kind of thing. Um, I knew I recognized him. He was the dad in the Pippi Longstocking movie that came out in the 80s. Oh, yes, that, which, that uh, classic. <laughs> I've never I seen that movie. I, like, I, I vividly remember that movie, like, because I always wanted to scrub my feet the way she, like, wash the floor the way she does. But that's another story. Um, he's also uh, directed, you know, Big Daddy and stuff like that. He's had a few acting career. Uh, you know, he's done some acting, mostly in Adam Sandler movies, funnily enough. Um, and then not listed uh, is Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller was not credited, but he plays Hal, the, the nurse. He was in There's Something About Mary. He was in Night at the Museum, uh, Meet the Parents. So, yeah. Yeah. Huh. All right. I'm done. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Uh, so. Is Will yeah, still yeah. here? Yeah, yeah. No, I'm still here. I'm, uh, I'm, try okay. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be polite. Do I don't want to monopolize the conversation. Does she keep cutting out on you, too? Please do, because I will. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll, tr I'll try and be uh, a bit more uh, forthcoming. That's it. Um, so, let's talk about the movie, right? So, we get the flashback stuff with Happy, and he's like, yeah, my dad and I loved hockey. I wasn't that great of a skater. And then his dad dies by a hockey puck to the face. Uh, so, I, as you so, do. I mean, this, we're kind of, this is kind of a bigger theme that I'm getting into here, but, and we'll kind of talk about this as we go along, but this is, um, 
this is really the formula of a lot of these types of movies. Adam Sandler kind of made made himself famous off of these types of things, and then other kind of comedians around the same time would use the formula as well. Um, even like somebody like Tom Green with Freddie Got Fingered, it's kind of like the the tried and true '90s movie is like comedy about lovable loser who is really good at one thing, and everybody thinks he can't do it, and then he proves them all wrong, and and oh, making yeah, yeah, yeah. making his enemies look as foolish as possible. Yeah. <laughs> well, he also looks like an idiot. So. That's true. That, and that's something that I think as it went along, it kind of became more about making Adam Sandler look cool and making everybody else look even more cartoonishly impotent and foolish. Like evil. Yeah. And- yeah. I, I do think it's funny with Adam Sandler's progression in film, how like he does so many movies like this, but he's also really great at dramatic roles. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really get a lot of credit for those. And it's kind of sad because, you know, Punch Drunk, Dr- Punch Drunk Love is really good. Rain Over Me, I thought, was really good. And then he's doing movies like this or like Billy Madison, which I think is so stupid. But that, but that also, like, Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore is kind of like this one-two punch of these nostalgic comedies that I, I guess, uh, speaking as uh, a guy at least, and I'm sure it, it crosses genders as well, but I feel like a lot of guys who grew up at the same time as I did, or maybe a little older than me, really have a mm-hmm. reverence for these two movies, this and Billy Madison, and just um, remember them incredibly fondly, quote them all the time. And that was kind of my experience. I the, One of the big reasons why I wanted to talk about Happy Gilmore was the fact that for a long time I considered this maybe definitely in my top three comedies and maybe my the funniest movie I've ever seen. And I revisited it fairly recently. I want to say like last year maybe. And it was interesting to note for me how much of the humor was based on it being actually funny versus kind of like a laugh of recognition from like I saw this a bunch of times when it was like much music was playing it or um, I don't know like TBS or something yeah 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 I get that I always always felt like these movies were always kind of the um, I guess like an introduction to what comedy was when I was growing up if that makes sense Mm-hmm. And there, and, like and there is there there is a lot of stuff in this movie specifically that I, I like. I'll go to bat for like. There's some genuinely clever lines. There's some funny setups and everything. But there is some other stuff that's like, yeah, I thought that was funny when I was like 14, and now it's just like, well, if it's if it's not problematic, it just kind of doesn't hit the same way. Yeah, Yeah. like, I didn't laugh a whole bunch, and uh, the first act of the movie, I didn't laugh at all, so uh, more towards the second act and the third act, there were a few times where I literally laughed, you know, uh, the, like, um, not to get too far down, but, like, my favorite quote in the whole movie is, uh, I eat pieces of shit like you for breakfast, and he's like, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? That's no. so funny to me. <laughs> well, well and, and that's and that's the thing, at least as as I see it, is that um, one of the best things about this movie is that the I'd say Adam Sandler and Christopher McDonald are really giving it their best here. Especially, I love mm-hmm. Christopher McDonald in this movie. Shooter McGavin's, in my opinion, one of the greatest movie villains of all time, just because a of how 
terrible he is and also what a great foil he is to Adam Sandler, how he like sets himself up to be dunked on essentially. Like that is a that is genuinely <laughs> a fantastic line that you pointed out there, Gracie. And he has a he has a couple yeah. more of those. He's not afraid not afraid to take this uh in kind of over the top manner. And it's not yet at the point in Adam Sandler's film career where he kind of needs to make himself a bit more of a like a, an unstoppable hero. He needs to kind of put himself so far above everybody else. He's willing to make Happy look stupid or ignorant or like mm-hmm. really, I mean, one of Adam Sandler's biggest things, at least early on in his career with his comedic roles um, and in, in his movies especially was like the, the big thing is that the character gets angry. Like he's really good at, yeah. at expressing yes. like explosive anger, which doesn't always work but it it does it does still work for me in in a couple of places here in the movie yeah um so uh his girlfriend we find out that happy has a he's trigger happy ha 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 um you know he has a really short fuse and but as soon as he has cooled like as soon as he said his piece he'll apologize we see this when his girlfriend decides to leave him and he starts to like scream at her and then go oh baby I'm just kidding which I don't particularly care for that kind of humor because it's like slightly abusive more than more than a little abusive I think that I think that's a really I think that's a really good point and this was so I kind of had this experience along with you know last year I watched this and it was me showing my wife for the this movie for the first time and I was you know expecting both of, both of us to like bust a gut we're both going to love this and then like as it goes along I'm just like yeah there's some of this stuff in here that's really hard to kind of onboard people for because like <laughs> Adam Sandler screaming is really funny again when you're uh, for me at least when I was a, a younger boy and that kind of stuff really got to me but it's really really obvious especially in this early scene here i was and i was just watching the scene earlier today of just like how threadbare his his ex-girlfriend's character is is like she's just in the movie to be a foil to him to say that he can't do it and to be like really really mean for no good reason she's not a character at all yeah you're a loser and then that's it that's her that's it she's gone um, oh yeah, and we never see her again because she apparently died. Right. She jumped off a cliff. Duh. Um, but but at the same time, I'm, I'm I'm in conflict myself because I'm saying like, man, this this really this really sucks that this is never really a character because that's not what the the movie's about. The movie's from a very masculine perspective, and the women only fill really what women there are in this movie fill one of two roles. But but Oof. then but then like for me. I, I do love the bit where he's just like, I'm sorry, baby. Can the kitchen come back until the nachos? Like, I can't lie. That's, that's so really funny. Like I, I find that, that very great. funny. Yeah. Have you been practicing that for the last 20 no, years? No, but <laughs> it, just, it, sticks, it sticks in my head. It's just <laughs> once he started doing it, I was like, I was, it was, again, a laugh of recognition of like, oh, right, he does this. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it's still yeah, Adam Sandler definitely has that uh, whiny face down to an art form. <laughs> um, so after his girlfriend leaves, you know, he finds out uh, also that his grandmother hasn't paid taxes on her house for 10 years. And so they have, I think, 30 days or 90 days to come up with the money. I can't remember exactly. Um, um, I have to say, though, like, it, this part where she's like, or he's like, Grandma, you didn't pay your taxes? And she's like, well, I just didn't have money. 
Like that, that's it. <laughs> like that's her excuse. And you're like, Dude, it's it's on. the most threadbare <laughs> plot to kind of get him going. But the, the, an underrated line here I really like would just like, you can't take her home from her. Look at how old she is. You can't do it. She's too <laughs> old. She's too old. <laughs> too old. But yeah, I, I, yeah. Should, I should have said, so there's like, I, I, there's like three roles for women in, in this movie. And it's because there's three women. <laughs> like what? what yeah. is, You've got yeah. the, the ex-girlfriend and then you have the motherly figure who's the grandmother. And then you have the love interest. Who, who has to be attracted to Adam Sandler. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, it's always a trope in these kind of comedies, though. How many comedies, like, even on the small screen, do you have this schlocky, like, loser guy or a guy that's very misogynistic or doesn't have to put in any effort at all and they get this effortlessly beautiful woman who somehow loves them? <laughs> Or falls yeah, in love and with them, like, even though they don't do anything to deserve it. And it's it. like, to this point, the only, like, worst character that Adam Sandler has played is Billy Madison, who is, like, basically literally a man-child, and still had, Literally. in that movie, had Veronica Vaughn fall in love with him. And it's just, like, these out these 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 guys who are, you know, we're meant to kind of see the, ni- the nice part of, but, like, outwardly are, like you, like you said before, Gracie, like, kind of have these hints of potentially like abusive behavior and are just like explosively angry um very short-tempered in this movie adam sandler very physically constantly abusive. solves his problems with violence and is celebrated for it so it's yeah it's a it's it's, it's a little weird to say the least <laughs> I, I mean that's like pretty much all adam sandler movies though mm-hmm. like is here's some schlub guy who who i get is supposed to be like the everyman right so um, people who are, are, in general, guys who are watching this are like, kind of see themselves in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then, and then, but they get the girl in the end. And I mean, that's, for the longest time, that was just comedy. Every sitcom, every, It you know. still happens. There are plenty of movies where a mediocre man ends up getting a dynamite woman. Like, okay, his love interest, Virginia is like head of PR for a huge golf tournament. What is he? He's an out-of-work construction worker who can't hold down a job and who only gets into the golfing business because he can make a little bit of money to buy his grandmother's house back or pay off the taxes. Well, like, and, and sorry, sorry, Aisling, um, but with and with and with her character, it's like. You said Virginia. I'm like, oh right, that's her name. Because it's like name, yeah. name three oh. character traits that she has. Like, I dare you. You might be able to get to two if you're lucky. She's um, nice. <laughs> she's nice and kind of sassy. She's, I guess she, she's smart. <laughs> I think. Question mark. Yeah, she has absolutely like one of our tests is the sexy lamp. She does not like this movie doesn't pass. Like she holds no bearing to the plot. You could really just have the grandmother be the motivation and the plot ends up the same. The grandmother who she who, does do who is also just she's nice. She's doesn't nice. pay her taxes. <laughs> yeah. And she's old. Yeah. And she's old. There you go. Um so Also, fun fact the lady who played the grandma is actually Canadian. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah, she's from Manville, Alberta. Very nice. <laughs> uh, so, um, 
the, the grandmother ends up getting left at the nursing home until he, like, I don't, he had plenty of room at his apartment, but I guess it was just easier to drop her off at a nursing home. Um, and then Ben Stiller's character shows up and he's like this abusive shithead nurse. Uh, and then he, uh, Happy ends up going to the open golf tournament where the winner ends up being on the professional league. And, uh, well, before that, he meets Chubbs, who is like, yeah, like, dude, I can help you win. And Adam's like, nah, it's cool. Whatever. And it wasn't until, like, he mentioned the money. And then, um, Happy's like, oh, yeah, I'm on board. Literally stops in his tracks to be like, but the money, though. But the money, though. Yeah, like, because that's all that matters. Because he wants to buy back his grandmother and grandfather's well, house. You well, know? and you touched on this a little bit. I, th- I think this this was your point, uh, Gracie, when you were talking about how, you know, this is kind of a, 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 a trope of a lot of movies and TV shows and stuff like that of the the schlubby dude getting the girl. And it's also a very, a very masculine fantasy of, like, in a couple of ways, it's like not only do you have this love story of like you basically acting like an idiot and getting this amazing woman to love you, you also have like this thing of happy discovering this amazing talent that he never knew that he had and just gets to exploit it for money and then use that money to provide for his family, which I feel like is again kind of rooted in very traditional masculine roles in even yeah like even though it's covered up with like golf and hockey and that kind of stuff yeah like pete Buttigieg, he just kind of fails upward i think i've used that before on the podcast Mm -hmm. you know like with some guys they just kind of fail upward they they manage to get into high positions without doing anything (laughs) right or 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 by accident essentially because it's it's only it's only because chubbs notices you know what? What a great shot that he can have! That he finally gets the idea, and he's and he's motivated by money, and it does, yeah, and it, and it comes from a kind of a maybe not a paternal instinct, but like that traditional masculine role of to be the provider and to provide, mm-hmm. but it, it, and then also to provide for your Getting. mother, your mother figure, and in the grandmother there. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, I love your nuance takes; they're fantastic. Oh, thank you just want to say that um so uh we i'm not that articulate (laughs) (laughs) we end up meeting shooter mcavin and in the first scene we meet him in at this open he uh looks at virginia who is head of personal of public relations she's head of pr and he tells her to get him a pepsi a diet pepsi Yikes. Well, and and this is the other thing is that like since I mean it's, it's it, like with with Adam Sandler's character, it's like yeah, there are these all this kind of you can read this through a feminist lens and kind of see these problems. I mean, it's really not that hard if you're have encountered these kind of ideas before. So yeah, he has no yeah. regards for her profession. He just looks at her, sees a woman, and like. Oh, you obviously But that's the thing is that <laughs> in in return you have to make the villain so much more comedically misogynist um in uh-huh. in comparison to Adam Sandler who's not I I I I I would wonder if he would be considered a misogynist character maybe not maybe the the writing around 
Virginia's character, potentially, but then you have to make Shooter McGavin that much more evil in, to offset the prickly mm-hmm. parts of Happy's character. Yeah, yeah, of course. You have to make him cartoonish, you know, to offset uh, what Happy does wrong. Because Happy does have abusive tendencies, mm-hmm. especially with his, you know, penchant for getting into fights. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, Virginia, you know, ends up watching Happy, who is very uncouth, but manages to win the Open and get on the professional tour. Um, and, and, and she is, like, immediately charmed by him. Like, there's that part where she... reason. Like, the first <laughs> thing she said, or one of the first things she says, like, to Shooter, she's like, God, I hope he wins. Like, yeah. but she, I think she sees the fact that you know, golf's kind of a boring game. Like, it's a bunch of, like... It's more middle... fun to play than it is to watch. Yeah. So I guess being, you know, in PR, she's like, oh, here's a diamond in the rough that actually is going to get people in. It's kind of like that uh, Phantom of the Open, right? Like, that's yes. essentially what he is, but, you know, a little more uncouth. Wait, did, did, you, did <laughs> yeah. you just come up with that, or is that a, is that a thing? No, no, no. There's there's a great uh, dollop episode called The Phantom of the Open about, I can't remember his name, but he is a guy who for years and years tried to get in, like he managed to get into the British Open and he ends up losing, plays the worst round at the British Open ever. And so the people at the British Open are like, oh my God, what an idiot. He can never do this again. And he would like make up names, come in disguised and constantly try and get into the British Open, sometimes managing to get onto the field before they realize that it was him. And yeah, like he would make up names like Gene Paychecky. <laughs> yeah. And he would get in. It was 100% true. Like, and he tried to get into other golf tournaments around Europe. Um, never played at all. Like, well, never played well, but he loved golf. And then near the end of his life, uh, Americans, um, I think in Wisconsin or Michigan, I can't remember exactly. Michigan. Michigan they created a cup in his honor for amateur league golfers. And he was asked to go to America to play. And it was the best, you know, round of golf of his entire life. And it was just like, he really did love golf so much that even though he wasn't good at it, people loved the fact that he loved golf that much. It's my favorite dollop episode. It's so good. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, it's very, it's very funny. Um... But yeah, Ashlyn's completely right. That's exactly what it is, except none of the violent tendencies. Well, yeah. <laughs> and she and she definitely Virginia de- it definitely has like the dollar signs in her eyes at first, like this will bring in the rating. Oh, for sure. And then of course as she goes along, just like, oh, he's actually kind of a nice guy. He's doing this for his grandma. Like and then we don't we um, know why we're here. He so- takes her skating and then she loves him. No, no, no. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, I actually, like, a little part of me was like, okay, even though it's super problematic because she was like, absolutely, I can't date golfers. I was like, mm, I don't know. That's kind of cute. That's All cute. Right, fair enough. <laughs> um, so, so Happy ends up getting in the professional league, and he is just, like, earning check to check. He actually does improve his game throughout. Um He ends up, like, getting involved uh, where he loses his golf 
ball to the gator that ate Chubb's hand. Yeah. Um, and wrestles it and kills it. Uh, there's one tournament where Bob Barker is his putt partner. So I mean, oh my god! The, the, I I I mean, we <laughs> I know we're kind of going through in broad strokes. There's a lot of. Um, you know some of the some of the funnier parts. Uh, ha- oh, are you too good for your home? Yes, yes. Thank you. You knew exactly. <laughs> just like you son of a bitch ball. And then just I remember. I think I saw this movie on maybe TV or maybe my parents rented it when I was very young. Like, like the first time I saw it, and it's that shot of um, uh, see, I've already forgotten her name. Uh, Virginia in the like in the office with like this CEO guy or whatever, and like Happy's freaking out on tv and they're bleeping other every other word he's saying i thought that was hilarious as a as an eight-year-old i loved it very 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 uncouth he was big heap and pile of monkey and just yeah that i love that but yeah you motherfucking yeah yeah and then the whole you know uh when he he misses the putt several times and he's like what the fuck golf ball are you too good for your home it made me laugh. That was one of the lines that made me laugh. And of course, one of the things I think, I wonder, is this, is Happy Gilmore's legacy? It's like when people think of Happy Gilmore, is the thing that mo- the most people on earth think of is the Bob Barker scene, the Bob Barker fight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, I love this scene like okay well i mean he says the price is wrong bitch exactly and it's fa- and the price is wrong bitch and it's and it's led up by one of one something that makes me laugh the whole way through is the guy that they hire to distract happy and just like you're gonna fail at this just like you failed at hockey you jackass <laughs> just like every single way just like ah, ah just him laughing it gets me every time yeah. and then it leads up to the fight and which is a treat to watch and I, I feel like the older this movie gets the less appreciation that fight is going to get because people aren't going to know who Bob Barker is anymore yeah um but well for me right so I didn't have cable as a kid I was I was the seven basic channels kid right mm-hmm. and I loved PBS and if I was homesick I would watch The Price is Right Jerry Springer and Mari like mm-hmm. That was my childhood, and I loved watching The Price is Right. Spay and neuter your pets. <laughs> yeah, you're, ho- you're homesick, or if you're at, like, your grandparents during mm-hmm. the summer or something, you turn on the TV, Price is Right is on, it's the easiest watch in the world. It really is. Yeah. And it's fun, because, like, how many grocery trips did your mom have to take you on? So you're like, oh, yeah. I know what the price of that is. And then you're like, <laughs> yes. And then you would like get the showcase number really close. And you're like, damn, if I was on this, I'd have won, you know? That, and as, and as much as Drew Carey is the host of it now, it's just like when I think of the prices, right? I just hear like actual retail prices is, is $15. Come on. Uh, like just Bob Barker's <laughs> yeah. very specific cadence and the way he would speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it's it's uh, it's still very funny to see him in this. You know, I don't want a piece of you. I want the whole thing. <laughs> well, that's a thing. Like even in this movie, like because you watch it and you're like, man, Bob Barker's like hella old, but like he's still alive. Like he is 95 years old and still he, alive. He is still alive. I swear to yes. God, I thought he passed. Me away. too. Nope. No, he you're, is still you're right. alive. Wow. Mm-hmm. Holy 95 shit. 95 years old. Good for him. Yeah. Like he was he was older in this movie too, but he still had that, you know, swagger. 
<laughs> Which he's always been old to me. Like, he's always been an older gentleman. Um, so, uh, Happy ends up, like, raising the money through all of these tournaments. Um, and then even ends up getting a sponsorship uh, with Subway. And he manages to get up the rest of the money to pay back the back taxes on the house. Well, when they get there, uh, it turns out that, that to get the house back, it's an auction. And the auction price goes up to $325,000, which is $50,000 more than what he had. And who buys it but Shooter McGavin? Because it's act two of the script. Yes, yep. we need a motivation. Yeah, we need we, we need to, we need to heighten the stakes. We need some dire straight. Or wait, I was gonna. We do need mind. the dire straits, but we also need some dire stakes. <laughs> <laughs> um. So shooter, shooter's like, okay, buddy. Here's the deal. You quit the tour, you get the house, and Happy's like, hell yeah, sounds like a great plan to me. And Virginia comes up, and she's like, no. You need to win. And and I'm like, Virginia, fuck off. Yeah. Like, he never wanted to play golf to begin with. He's met his goal. <laughs> like, what if he loses? It's your fault, Virginia. <laughs> <laughs> like, Virginia, he actually needs, you know, this house. And you have a sweet-ass PR job. Like, you're fine. He's yeah. not. He, he just goes back to construction. But you don't understand. He needs his woman to push him to be his best. I guess. He, he needs to prove his masculinity. Mm-hmm. Damn it. Um, so he's like, okay, okay, I got this. So he comes up to Shooter and he's like, okay, here's the deal. I win the tournament. I get the house back. You win the tournament. I quit. How about that? Mm-hmm. And Shooter's like, okay, sure. And then they go and, well, before that, um, Chubbs comes back into the picture because... You better stay out of my way or you'll pay. <laughs> Listen to what I say. Do you want to go eat some hay <laughs> down the bay? I just may. What do you say? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is also the line of the movie where, uh, you know, s- Shooter's walking away. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he's like, you eat pieces of shit for breakfast? No. No. I forget if it's <laughs> happened at this point in the movie. Um there's there it's it's I did, it's definitely in the second half. There's a couple of appearances by uh a character actor named Richard Keel who unfortunately is long dead. Uh he's best known for being uh Jaws in some of the uh, James Bond movies. There's actually yeah, there's actually yeah, a yeah. really interesting video on him. It was a, a YouTube uh, series called No Small Parts, and it was kind of going into his life. He's a really fascinating guy. So he was—he was the one that had the really bad car accident, right? Um, I actually don't remember. I—I I forget it. The what? The really tall guy. Yes, yes. He's in, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Inc- he, I, when I was researching, um, it turns out that the reason he isn't really seen on screen, actually walking or moving, and he's always leaning on someone yes. because he had a really bad car accident. And it fucked up um, his the nerves in his mm-hmm. back, so he could never stand straight. And and you can so. and you can see him like in near that scene where everybody's chasing shooter. He's not. They don't show him really running, just kind of gesturing like he's running. But yeah. but yeah. he does like. I think that was something where you know everybody knew him as Jaws and like how he's like this imposing physical figure. But he actually has some really terrific deliveries of just. Always antagonizing shooter. Uh, I, I think this is more in the final one of just like that's two thus far shooter. Like it's like yeah, oh congratulations yeah, like, you can count and you can count on me finding you in the parking lot. 
Just like uh, such a he, such a cool wearing, little role for him to do. And he's wearing that shirt that says "Guns don't kill people, I <laughs> kill <laughs> people." <laughs> and I was like, "Holy shit, that's dark." <laughs> uh, um, but like, I, like I remember that freaking shirt though. I, I wrote love- it down. That's I was like, "Oh wow, that was very aggressive." <laughs> um, <laughs> it's a very aggressive <laughs> aggressive graphic t-shirt. Uh, but, like, before the final tournament, um, Happy ends up going to Chubbs, and he's like, hey, man, you're right. I need to learn how to work on my short game. This, so they go to, like, a mini golf this, this is another one of putt This is another one of my memorable scenes, and I think it does still stand up. Uh, Azleen, you'll probably appreciate this. This was, so when I was in radio, we had a daily contest where I would play, like, a, uh, a audio clip from a movie, and... Um, yeah people had to guess what it is and then they'd win a prize if they were a certain number caller. So the the audio clip I had for Happy Gilmore was the one of him trying to get the putt into the clown mouth and then just, you're going to die, clown! <laughs> it gets me every time and especially just how cruel this this clown uh, putt hole is. It's just like, he gets he can't get it in and then he gets it in and spits it back out and then just the, the rage exploding out of him is, is again, like that's that is still pretty funny, at least I I think so. Like that's yeah, yeah. It, you oh, can I, definitely see how people like, got a kick out of Adam Sandler in his early years and why he kept getting so many movies is that there is a kind there is a good comedic sense to what he can do well. Yeah, so that's I, the thing. Like the, all of his movies were like they weren't the best movies ever. Like they're not Oscar winners, but mm. you like you have like that kind of nostalgia and. I would say, like, most of them were pretty good until, like, 51st Dates, I think, was, like, the last one that was, like, decent. And then the rest afterwards kind of just... 51st Dates and Click, for me, were really, like, the last Adam Sandler movies I watched and actually enjoyed watching. And then, like... Grown Ups is okay. I laugh at a couple of parts, but it's ew. There's a lot of ew in it, you know? Mm -hmm. And then, oh god, Jack and Jill was just like, are you serious? Oh! Yeah, that's actually the movie we're going to be doing next week. Oh, have fun with that. We are not. Don't fuck with me. (laughs) 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 Um, No, um, I will say, though, the movie he did with David Spade for Netflix, um, The Do-Over, that was really funny. I thought that was the funniest thing he had done since, like, Fifty First Dates and Click. It was was very funny. And if you haven't seen it, I would recommend it. But then he does, like, the Hateful Eight and stuff. And it's very racist. And it's like, dude, no. So I think it's it's interesting to kind of watch, like, look at the look at his career because I mean it's a pretty standard point these days of like Adam Sandler when he does these comedies they're usually pretty bad and like serve the lowest common denominator and it's like it's very very true. It's also very nakedly capitalistic of like he has figured out the formula of if I do and not just to say it's it's not just him he's part of the production but it's also like with his directors and writers and things and who knows he might be he might actually find some of this genuinely funny but whether he does or not he has figured out the formula in order to keep himself quote unquote relevant at least keep people talking about him whether good or bad mm-hmm. because that's whether it's good or bad it hardly matters and he's found a way to keep mm-hmm. making a lot of money because uh, 
he had like a six or eight movie contract with Netflix. Exactly, and that and it well, was it's, right. It's and, so funny because yeah. recently he said like because uh, I I don't know what movie he he's done, but he's like if I don't get an Oscar nomination, I'm going to make a movie that is so bad that well, it's that, like worse yeah, than anything uh, an Oscar I've ever done before. For, uh, uncut gems. Which is a- yeah, cause, oh, okay. Yeah, because Uncut Gems is like uh, a lot of people have been talking about how great his performance is in that movie because it's not his traditional comedy role. He's doing a more dramatic role with a comedy edge, um, mm-hmm. and it's very similar to Punch Drunk Love, for example. You know, there's that comedy edge to it, but it's also more of a drama and action stuff. Like, I don't think he's going to get an Oscar nomination, um, but I do think that it's probably one of his better roles that have come out, especially in the last ten years. So well, and he's um, and he and all this to say that he's in a in a purely business sense, he is very smart. Like once his mm-hmm. once he kind of started seeing maybe less returns on his movies, he got that Netflix deal, and he's always been able to um, use these movie these really schlocky, not very good comedies to fuel his way into more dramatic roles that he continues to do and to different degrees of success but it's just he seems to have found the formula and uh, I and I and I'm not to say that his movies are above criticism or anything like that they certainly uh, should be criticized to the to the fullest degree but he mm-hmm. in the, in another sense it's just like there I wonder if there is a degree of people seeing that including myself i'm not above this either people seeing that he has found the formula to make himself relevant and famous and rich and people just being like well that sucks like just kind of being <laughs> like i'm jealous of that i wish i could make money like that and just put whatever i yeah, want it's on pretty it's i would say it's definitely more effortless for him than say the early 90s when he was working for snl mm-hmm. you know yeah like He's definitely been very successful. He's a very rich man. <laughs> and he well, doesn't like, I mean, really have to put any effort into anything. And he makes a, a million bucks just like that. So, Well, I, I would say um, some of the movies that he's uh, recently have done is the Hotel Transylvania mm. series, oh, yeah, yeah. right? Like he's, he's in that. He's written them. And he's making a shit ton of money from them too. And they're apparently yeah, not Tree- not that bad. Like for kids' movies, yeah, I hear I've heard they're not that, that bad. Too. Yeah, I heard the first one was really good. I've never seen them, so. Um, but I've heard the first two were good. I heard the third was kind of like, eh. Yeah, you, you know, yeah, you can only it, you can only no, do that so many times. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like he has a strong group of writers compared to say, uh, you know, How to Train Your Dragon, which also has really great books to draw from. Um, yeah. So. I mean, but still, like oh, he's but doing each a good job. each one of these movies makes more money. Like, yeah, they've made a lot of money. And he's had this. It's not he, like he's Playmobil the movie. He's had the, he's <laughs> had this long wave of relevance that, like, when I was watching Happy Gilmore, I was thinking about other kind of SNL ish movies. Like, I watched, I rewatched uh, Wayne's World two recently. I really, I really like Wayne's World two, but. It's yeah, it's look it's at Mike Myers career. Well, well, and you think about like how Mike Myers had, I think, maybe bigger peaks than Adam Sandler, but then also like way bigger drop offs because there's like, yeah, like when I think Michael, when I think Myers, I think like the Cat in the Hat and yeah. the Love Guru, like those were two of the shittiest movies in the past 20 years, 100%. Like top tier shit, mm-hmm. and it's. 
And it's really like after the Love Guru, I think he did like the Shrek 4 movie and we really haven't seen anything else from him since then. Nothing nothing like huge. Yeah, like bit like bit roles here and there. I remember when he turned up in Inglorious Bastards, it was like notable. But and anyway, all all this to say and of course Mike Myers is rich too, so it hardly matters, but it's just right, I it just, I just find yeah. I just find it very interesting to track Adam Sandler's continued like success almost in spite of like it's funny like you ever see you ever see the movie funny people yes uh and everyone um assumed that it really was just about adam sandler's life it's hard and maybe him having like an existential crisis yeah it's hard to not draw the parallels but then like (laughs) that movie was came out in like 2007 2008 and then he just made another 12 years of movies as shitty as the one in funny people where he's a baby so like yeah it's just like even if he is self-aware, he's also self-aware enough to know that it works. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hey, well, what's that line from that Bo Burnham song? We're gonna keep uh, beating this dead horse until it, it stops, stops spitting, spitting out, money. out money. Yeah, as long as <laughs> as long as you repeat stuff. <laughs> repeat stuff. I love repeat I love stuff. Bo Burnham so much. Yeah, Bo Burnham's great. Uh, uh, so the final tournament happens. Like Happy ends up getting hit by a Volkswagen Beetle by the guy that shooter jackass yeah that guy um and so happy's game's really thrown off he's having some issues uh but he does you know manage to make a comeback when he thinks about his happy place because we didn't really touch on it but chubbs end up dying Mm. because happy gifts him with the head of the alligator that took his arm and then chubbs falls out of a window and and dies so yeah yep Yep, that I, happens. It was um, not funny. <laughs> also, going to Happy's happy place. Um, mm. Yikes! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it starts off with uh, Virginia uh, coming out. In, yeah, a little white lingerie. This is very, uh, very nineties sexy look here. Oh, oh yeah, very nineties. <laughs> It's like every cliched 90s sexy scene, like daydream, that every like teenage boy had in a teen comedy. Yeah, it's like... Oh, it's, I mean, it's, surprisingly it's, enough, though, she was pretty covered considering. Mm-hmm. Until he goes to his bad place and sees Shooter, like, you know, basically molesting her on the couch. And, like, we see full ass cheeks. Yeah, it's like... it's like, In the 90s, oh. it was like a white woman... Who has done buns of steel and is wearing a uh, black like black garters and high heels? It just like that is the height of sexuality, which is very interesting to look back on now because it is quite different for the for oh, the better personally, like but not yucking anybody's yum. It's a <laughs> it's almost like uh, when we think back of like the Victorian age, right? <laughs> How we're like, oh, they were totally looking at ankles, but like you look at that and you're just like, man, that's pretty fucking tame considering. Like, yeah, it's like it's actually not that bad compared to like. I was like, wow, that's a PG thirteen movie for sure. Mm-hmm. Like that's okay. <laughs> Shit, we got bondage in movies now. Hello, Fifty Shades of Grey. But you can go into YouTube and like find a sexier music video than this like. 10 seconds of footage in Happy Gilmore. No I problem. I mean, Wrecking Ball? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> she's like, yeah. she's naked. 
on an actual wrecking ball. Mm-hmm. I was there. <laughs> I were saw. You, were you the wrecking ball or the sledgehammer? I mean, I was a little bit of. I was. I felt like I was a little bit of everything that day. I, it was five years ago when that came. Or no, it was six years ago now. Shit. It, it was a different time. Holy shit! Has it been that long? God. Yeah, because it was the. It was just as we were going into our second year of uh, radio school. Oh, oh yeah, which was six years ago. Crazy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but then there's you know his grandmother who's uh, dressed like, um, I can't really even say like she just she looks like she's kind of uh, dressed in like this 1920s or 1930s kind of like outfit that rich people would have worn, I guess. Yeah, and she's and at then, the slots. Yeah, and then she's at the slots, like, winning money, and she throws it up into the air. And then there's that part where there's um, a little person on a tricycle, yeah. which, as a cowboy. Cool. Yeah. I don't know. It just, don't. It's very completely and, random and weird. And then his, gra- his, no, well, his grandmother has the has the uh, the kiss mask on, and uh, Shooter tries to French the ugh, Gene Simmons tongue. That was so gross. <laughs> <laughs> but the, but that's the thing right is um first of all like this random moment where it has like the little person as the cowboy like this was back in the 90s when like we just thought little people were hilarious yeah, like, that's the joke like yeah, yeah. that's look joke. he's small he's in a cowboy outfit yay that's it <laughs> <laughs> that's the joke Classic jokes. Yeah. Yeah. Things used to... Comedy used to be a lot easier because it was a lot more casually dehumanizing to different types of people. Well, now it's so funny because we, like, we recently watched Christmas Vacation, which I thought was hilarious as a child. It's so boring. It was not funny at all. That's interesting. That's interesting. so boring. Yeah, like, I, I had never seen it before, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, okay, it's a John Hughes movie, I got it, we're gonna watch it, like, I like the first vacation movie, that's funny, and then I never laughed. Like, physical comedy only works for me if there's, like, witty banter, and, like, most of the times that I laughed watching the movie wasn't the physical comedy in this one, it was the witty banter that actually made me, you know, chuckle. So I just thought that was interesting. Um, yeah, and that's actually like that. Actually, in 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 parts, like obviously, comedy changes uh, through throughout the years as well. So like pacing mm-hmm. has changed, like thanks to just trends in popular media and everything. So I feel like jokes are now a lot can be a lot quicker. But so some of the pacing of the jokes is a little strange. But the wordplay at times is actually pretty decent, especially for. Uh, the movie you you're you think you're sitting down to watch yeah yeah um <laughs> and now you know a lot of comedians have to make an effort because you can't just make easy jokes like that anymore and suddenly it's like oh my free speech is being denied or yeah. some shit because it's like dude there are plenty we live in meme culture we laugh all of the time. We just don't like racist and sexist jokes anymore. You gotta get new material. Yeah, people young. People I mean, younger, make a few fart jokes. Those are still funny and not offensive, pe- I guess. People younger maybe. than me are very, very funny these days. Like, it's really it's, easy. Yeah. It's really easy to see. It's it's because that's all we have left in the world. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just make fun of things because inside you're crying. Yeah, yeah. always. 
all the time. All the time. I, I will say, like, I think uh, millennials Fashion. and uh, you know the generation that comes after millennials, like the teenagers now, like there's a very, Gen Xer, yeah, or, gen, sorry, Gen Gen Z. Gen Z. Yeah. They have a very like self depreciating sense of humor. They're not afraid to like laugh at themselves. Uh, like a lot of relatable comedy is just like imagines that. <laughs> Uh-huh. It, I do that. And, yeah, like that's that's really it. And at times, <laughs> and at times, like a lot more surreal than like comedy was trying, even trying to be ten years ago, which I think is very underrated in terms of uh, the comedy that's coming out today. It's not afraid to get experimental or meta or surreal in order to just like make you laugh out of either confusion or just bafflement. Or I, I, I just think it's a lot more experimental and more fun in more fun ways. Yeah. Um, so, back to the movie. Mm. Uh, well, it's at, it's at the end of the movie. So, you know, Happy, uh, he finally finds his happy place. Ha ha. And he manages to almost win, but there's this big collapse over the final hole. And the rules are, you putt where it lands. So, it's he has no choice. He has to do it. So... He does the same thing he did at the mini, the mini golf, and he manages to make the hole. He wins the game. He gets the girl. He gets the house back. Shooter gets beaten up, but not before stealing his gold jacket. I believe that belongs to Mr. Gilmore. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, and then uh, and then Happy is in front of the house that you know he's gotten back for his grand grandmother they're having some champagne from all the money that they just you know won from this uh, tournament and chubbs and the gator and lincoln are all in heaven which i'm gonna say i i feel like slightly well not offended but like why is his dad not there (laughs) like you would think that maybe his dad who was like a big you know thing for him growing up would be there with lincoln but he's not. I completely forgot that his dad was even mentioned as part of the movie. Like even by the like, even by the end of the movie, I forgot that Happy Gilmore had a dad. Like exactly, it's it's such a non-factor. It's like there's so much of this screenplay and other comedies like it where it's just like these are just here to serve a purpose. They're they're it's so utilitarian in places. Yeah, just, well, I think there, there, there was like essentially, it, yeah, it was just, just that moment where they needed. Um, <laughs> They just needed like that, you know, where the puck went right and hit the camera and then like, well, he's dead now. Yeah. That's the joke. He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> Death Dallas is hilarious. Uh, um, so- I, I will say, though, Ben Stiller in this movie, pretty hilarious still. He reminded me. I don't know if you've ever seen Heavyweights. Very similar characters. Very yeah. similar um, Heavyweights is one of my favorite movies. Like, that's when Disney was actually making uh, good live-action movies. Also, I know that it's a month after the Golden Globes nominations, but we're recording this pretty early. Um, and I just have to laugh at the fact that, uh, you know, they kept, Disney kept saying, oh, The Lion King's a live-action remake, a live-action remake. Got nominated for Best Animated Feature by the Golden Globes. Did it actually? Globes. I missed that. Yes. <laughs> oh, that rules. Oh, that is like, hilarious. Yes. Uh, but Disney has three nominations for the Golden Globes, so I guess, you know, they're doing all right. Yeah, they're fine. 
We have to I really hope, though, that How to Train Your Dragon Hidden World beats all three of them. As much as I loved Frozen 2. So, that's just my opinion. Um, <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. Yep. Uh, so, trivia. Alright. Uh, so, the concept for this movie was actually inspired by Adam Sandler's childhood friend Kyle, who was a hockey player. Kyle regularly played golf with Sandler and Sandler's father, and Cal... Kyle actually uh, is a teacher at Manchester, New ha- in Manchester, New Hampshire, which is Sandler's hometown, and he coaches high school hockey. So, oh, okay. There you go. So that was pretty cool. Uh, now, my favorite thing, like we talked about Bob Barker. Bob Barker wasn't sure he wanted to be in the movie, um, and, but he decided, you know, he would uh, after he learns he wins the fight. Uh, he was also told that a body double would be used in the fighting, and he goes, wait a minute, I know how to fight. Turns out he had actually learned how to fight under the tutelage of Aaron Norris, who is Chuck Norris's brother. So no stunt double required. <laughs> wait, there was no stunt double? Nope, that is all Bob. Because he, wow. he takes a roll down a hill. I figured that was probably a stunt double. That's really interesting. Uh, yeah, he he did all of his own stunts. Holy shit, wow. that actually surprised me. Yeah, I I really I also thought you know what's more nineties than Chuck Norris, right? Walker Texas Ranger. By the way, what's more two thousands than uh, Chuck Norris? Jokes? Yeah, no, I was gonna I was gonna say what's more nineties and more two thousands than Chuck Norris? <laughs> Unfortunately, God, <laughs> it's a worse. It's a worse. Every, it's a, every guy in high school. Well, That's no, it's just, the worst day of my life when I meet somebody who un- unironically tells me a Chuck Norris joke in this day and age, and I just want to go and die. <laughs> and it's like. Um, that wasn't even funny 15 years ago, for Christ's sake. Oh, no, and do I, you yeah. know, do you know that they're bringing Walker, Texas Ranger back? The CW is bringing back Walker fucking Texas Ranger. Well, it is going to be Walker. It is going to be Walker fucking Texas Ranger if it's on the CW. He's going to fuck. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> the sexy Walker that fucks. <laughs> it is. And he's going to be like, oh, you know, he's going to be like 28. Or, you know, maybe a fresh-faced rookie. Yeah. Because the CW is all about schlocky YA fiction. Uh-huh. Like, Riverdale is definitely, like, that weird section of YA that kind of has smut in it, you mm-hmm. know? Also, also, Gracie is still bitter about what they did in Rain, so... Oh, fuck that show. <laughs> That's a rage inducer. Don't bring it up. <laughs> um... So it turns out that the same arm that's wooden on Chubbs was the same arm that the actor lost uh, that gets blown off in Predator. Well, in fairness, I mean, there was a 50% chance they were going to get that arm anyway. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's, like, I get, like, I get it. That's kind of funny in, in terms of trivia, but it's like sometimes IMDb does a little bit of a reach, and that one's like, well, it was either going to be that arm or the oh. other or the other one. So, oh yeah, there was there was one where it's like the villain's last name is McGovern, but also Adam Sandler played another movie with someone named McGovern. Like, I don't even remember it. I didn't write it down. I, but I was like, who, like, that's a dumb trivia. It's like who could possibly care? Right. <laughs> Some of these. Um, and the last thing I'm going to mention is yeah. the fact that uh, even though he is uncredited, Judd Apatow actually helped to rewrite for the final script. That's Judd really Apatow that, worked on this movie. That's really interesting. It's always it, I always find it really cool to find out like 
uh, which writers, which writers specifically that whose voice you could probably recognize in a screenplay has done like uncredited rewrites. The, one of the biggest ones for me was finding out that Joss Whedon did a, a uncredited rewrite of Toy Story, or not uncredited. He, I believe he's in the credits, but he he did do a pass on Toy Story that got him credited. Mm-hmm. And he's and Joss, Joss Whedon, Whedon is one of like the biggest ghost writers in Hollywood. Like uh-huh. he has worked on so many scripts. But you don't know that because he he's so uncredited mm-hmm. a lot of the time. But um, I know that I've seen a lot of movies where it's like, oh, yeah, Joss Whedon worked on this script. Joss Whedon worked on this script. Uh, or, I just, wonder, or other people like, I mean, if you see enough Judd Apatow movies, you could probably like recognize probably what his jokes are. I, I'm not I'm not at that point, but I imagine if you get used to the way that he writes, like if you've seen mm-hmm. Freaks and Geeks and like the movies that he did in the 2000s and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff, you could probably tell which of these jokes uh, have his kind of signature on them. Definitely the same with the Seth Rogen movie, right? Like, Seth Rogen yeah. and Judd Apatow, like, you know when Seth Rogen was somehow involved in the script. Well, like, and the, well, you can tell because of the distance you can hear. <laughs> <laughs> Every time that's a Seth Rogen joke, you just hear. <laughs> uh, and I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that uh, the uh, the food movie was, uh, was his best, his Ugh. best work. Wait, legit, legit? Is that a shoot or like? No, no. Like, I seriously think Sausage Party was one of the funniest movies I have ever seen. The best I, thing, I, or I regret to inform I, you, I, this I, is my last appearance on this podcast. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, it's a hot take, you know. It sure is, and I'm glad you know that. Uh, so the thing about that movie too is, uh, when I went and saw it, somebody accidentally brought their oh, kid. No. Oh, jeez. So that kid is screwed for life. The same thing happened uh, with Deadpool when I went and saw it. Oh, Somebody Jesus brought their Christ. kid, and I was like, "I'm like Peace River. What the fuck? It's no, with, rated no, with, R. With with Sausage Party, they're gonna they're gonna have some weird fucking fetishes. Like that's what's gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Like they're gonna um, get they're, they're and hey again, oh no judgment, but they're probably gonna like fuck some food in their lifetime. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I like, uh, there's a whole generation uh, from our generation that, like, fucked a pie, okay? So, <laughs> you know that there's people out there who fucked a pie. Absolutely. They they totally did. It happened oh, in a movie. Man. It's happened in real life. This this is yeah, this is just the way we live now. It's quite true. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't think it's, like, the funniest movie ever made, but I personally find it hilarious, okay? That, that's great. I don't want to make you feel bad about that. I don't I'm think I personally don't think it's funny it. or a movie. So that's, oh, that's the the most the funniest thing too. What was that other like garbage movie that you really liked, Gracie? Uh, the one with um, Seth Seth MacFarlane. The oh, one about a million the West. ways to die in the West. God, I love that movie. The part with the part, <laughs> the part when he's listing off all the ways you could actually die. I'm fucking dying. Ashley and I watched that in the theater together. And most of it is absolute garbage, but I and like there are scenes that make me cringe, but I don't think it's the worst movie. Like I still think it's pretty funny. Um, well, I mentioned it earlier. I feel like I should kind of cop to this. Now, g- granted, I haven't seen the full movie. I've only I've only basically seen reviews of it and I think I've looked up clips on YouTube, but I mentioned it earlier. I think I actually might like Freddy Got Fingered, Tom Green's hey, movie. you know what? That is a weird-ass movie. So. Well, and it's also like, I, what I really appreciate about it is that it seems like it's 
a satire of basic movies like Happy Gilmore, where it's like Tom Green is this galloping idiot who is somehow very successful at what he does, yeah. gets a girlfriend who uh, loves him, and in the movie like, gives him blowjobs with no reciprocation. And it's all about making the people who are against him seem weirdly cruel and uh, just completely idiotic, which is his dad played by Rip Torn, who is like, like I've seen a couple of clips from that movie that really make me bust up laughing. So yeah, yeah that's the thing. That's like fair. we all have uh, our hot garbage movies that we absolutely love mm. and that's okay. Oh yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah, as Ashlyn much as... likes Pearl fucking Harbor. Okay. As, as... Uh, what? Hmm? Ashlyn, you like Pearl Harbor. <laughs> How dare you? Interesting, <laughs> interesting. No, of course, it, and I'm, and I'm not. I'm definitely not not going to make fun of anybody. Like, well, I'll make fun of you, but uh, it's, there's not. there's there's no there's no teeth behind that. It's like I I'm glad that you get some enjoyment out of whatever it may be, be it sausage party or uh, I, I, I don't think World War Two just I, hit us, but you know whatever. <laughs> I I have like this weird thing where I just um, really like movies where there's tons of destruction. Okay. Um, yeah. I like to see I the world like burn. 2012 is a masterpiece. <laughs> Day after tomorrow? Is that like... Oh, we are doing oh, that yeah. in, a few, in a few weeks, actually. We're doing the day after tomorrow. We're doing a whole Roland Emmerich month. And if anybody, oh, anybody is the king of absolute garbage while still being box office successful, it is Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Somehow, because I don't know, like, as, as fun as the destruction in those movies are, it's just like, man, I cannot with this two and a half hours of like, oh, we got to find out what... What this guy's doing and what the woman with the dog is doing and like, oh God, I just cannot care. Are you referencing Independence Day? No, I was talking about 2012. That was, the, uh, for some well, reason, that was one of the Same thing. Of. Yeah, really, though. Um, so I do have one piece of trivia that I want to mention. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, so Julie uh, Bowen later revealed on Access Hollywood that there is a deleted segment of the Happy Place scene where she made out with the... Uh, dwarf dressed up like a cowboy. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yep. And they didn't put that in the movie. Well, fun well, nope. Okay. Uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's also a deleted scene where Happy uh, throws the nursing home orderly played by Ben Stiller out of a window. Oh. <laughs> I kind of feel like that would have been, like, would make sense because, like, he just, nothing happens to the nursing home orderly he just the nursing home orderly who is a slave driver and is forcing these old people to work yeah he d- yeah he doesn't get his comeuppance never he just kind of disappears like, again not really a character just kind no. of a momentary foil yeah. yeah um so now that we've gone through the movie and we've gone through the trivia <laughs> it's time to do our tests and let me tell you it doesn't go well. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, so we have the Bechdel test, which is two named female characters on screen alone talking about something <laughs> other than a man. <laughs> this, never, this never happens. So it's a fail. Then Funny we have joke. the racial Bechdel test. We have two people of color uh, or two non-white characters on screen alone talking about something other than a white person. <laughs> never happens. Um uh, 
Makomori Tess, do you have a named female character who is not necessarily the main character who has a plot beyond pushing a white or, or pushing a guy's narrative forward? Ooh, and just missed. That's a fail uh, because Virginia <laughs> and Granny are Ooh. only there to serve Happy um, and serve his plot. Then we have the Duvernay test, which is, do you have a person of color uh, who, like the Macomori, matters to the plot and has their own storyline that's not pushing a white narrative? No. And it fails. Then we have the sexy lamp test. Can you replace a named female character with the sexy lamp from a Christmas story? You Um, can replace every named female character with the sexy lamp. Like, even if it's just one, you know? Like, you could definitely replace Virginia. Like, she has okay. no bearing on the plot, really, at all. Hmm. Okay. I've, I'm, I'm not used to applying that test, so I, um, I, tr- yeah, I, trust, are, I trust your judgment here. Yeah. Um, then we have the Vito Russo test. Uh, are there people who are GSRM, that is, who identify on a gender, sexual, sexuality, or romantic minority, uh, similar uh, LGBTQA+, um, do they matter to the plot? Are they more than just a stereotype? Uh, there are no LGBTQA plus people in this movie. Which sucks, but also, considering the time frame in which it was made, if there was one, it would have absolutely been... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It would have been punching absolutely. down like crazy. Um, I mm-hmm. do think they almost went with some homophobic humor uh, at mm-hmm. the beginning oh, yeah. with the all in the hips. Sure, yeah. Yeah, uh, so, but it's not, like, overt, uh, so... No, it could be a lot worse. It could have been a lot worse, yeah. The fact that they they, just... It's like they danced around it without actually dipping their toe in, so thankfully. Like, yeah, yeah, so... uh, This movie doesn't pass anything. Nope. Is it feminist? (laughs) Jesus Christ, no. No, God, no. (laughs) Absolutely Uh, not. Now, Mm -hmm. is this movie good? Well... That's the thing, right? Like, I think this movie is okay. Not my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Mm-hmm. You know, so... I think it just has, like, that nostalgia factor, right? With being, like... For a lot of people, this was their first Adam Sandler movie that they probably watched, right? Yeah. So, um... So I, so I think that, like, I enjoyed watching it for the nostalgia factor. But, I mean... Eh, it's okay. I didn't. I didn't find it as funny as I did as a child. I agree with you both that it is kind of. It is when you get down to it, it's very middle of the road. I'm lucky in that I'm one of the people who does find it somewhat nostalgic. So a lot of the humor still works for me. But it's very much like I don't need to watch this whole movie. Like I can just go on YouTube, seek out the clips, and that's fine. It's like yeah. I watched Billy Madison when I was in my twenties, and I had not seen it as a kid. So it really wasn't as funny. There was a couple of funny like lines and stuff, but there's not a lot of, from that movie that I really solidly remember. So I think that's yeah. just kind of the movies at the time. And then you ha- you can you can even compare that to stuff in Adam Sandler's filmography in the '90s. Like I think The Wedding Singer is one of his best movies. Yeah, it. it I think oh, yeah. I think movies like The Wedding Singer and maybe Big Daddy. Like Big Daddy's my favorite Adam Sandler movie. Or even Mr. Deeds, there's kind of like this heart to it. And there's not really a heart to this movie. It's just mm-hmm. kind of funny. 
Whereas, you know, Big Daddy kind of had this overarching theme and there was some emotion, especially like in the court scene where he's trying to gain custody of the kid or, you know, Mr. Deeds. Uh, like, it's more physical comedy, but there's still like he's this lovable guy who's not really a loser. He's just really bad at poetry and wants to write Hallmark cards. Uh, well, like even Wedding Singer is... Like there is that little bit of heart there too. Yeah. Yeah. Happy Happy Gilmore is pretty. It's 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 like you really don't have to think very hard about it. So I can no. understand how that appeals to a lot of people, myself included. And it's pretty disposable. Like you can watch it and not think about it, and you can like laugh depending on if it tickles your fancy or not. And then you can just kind of forget about it. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, that's that's the movie now. Uh, for the rest of the month, we're going to be doing 50 First Dates. Uh, then we're going to do Joe Dirt. <laughs> I am not yep. looking forward to that one at all. Ashlyn wanted to do it for a very specific scene. I know. I know that's why she wanted to do it. Um, and then I think, oh, God, what's the last one we're doing? Oh, House Bunny. House Bunny. House Bunny, because that oh. is a Happy Madison production. So Okay. Uh, and, and, like, the only one that has, like, pretty much an all-female cast. Yep. That's interesting. I I only vaguely remember that movie, but I'll be interested to see what you think of it. Ah, well, we'll be glad to, you know, hear your thoughts in private chat. Uh, <laughs> but I... I also, what? Oh, no, keep going. I Sorry. was just uh, going to thank uh, William for being on. And, uh, you know, I really liked your nuanced take. Oh, thank uh, you. I, I think uh, this was a really successful guesting, and you are, of course, welcome back anytime. <laughs> I'd love to. I would love to come back. And... Well, I think you're actually supposed to come back for what Lord of the Rings? Oh, right. When are we? So, like, when are when are, when are we when are we doing that? When are we, when when, are, when am I penciled in for? Uh, uh, I would probably say March because it's coming out in April. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. P- please remind me of that because that'll probably inform when I do my yearly rewatch. Yeah. Okay, sounds good. <laughs> yeah, uh, but yeah, trust doing... me, I don't need to. I don't need to rewatch. I could. I could. I could talk about it right now. I know um, <laughs> a, a coworker of mine. Uh, his wife is Honduran, and they, she's never watched Star Wars, so they're watching all the Star Wars stuff together. Mm. Um, and he said the next thing they're going to watch all together are the uncut versions of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit. Ooh, and I was like, risky. that's going to take forever that's risky that's really that's, risky uh, i mean the uncut versions ooh, they're like four hours long each then that's you kind of have to like this is why the stand the standard editions of lord of the rings still matter because it's like if you're trying to like for me it was thankfully my wife and i both love those movies so it wasn't a tough sell at all but if you're trying to show this to somebody that you love regardless of if you're dating them or if it's a friend or something, two and a half hour version. You, you have to you have to be ready for them not to like it because not everybody likes these movies. As crazy as that sounds to me, but it's but for per, per, perfectly legitimate reasons, you just have to be able to give them that out of like, okay, it's a oh, long yeah. movie, but trust me, it could be longer. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, well, it's like you know, for somebody because we're from that generation that. We fucking love Harry Potter, but there are people out there that don't give a fuck about Harry Potter, and, and, and then you get them to watch. Help. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, <laughs> but you, and then you're like, oh, you gotta watch these movies, and if they don't like them, like 
Oh, Does a, your heart just break? Oh, it's a chore. Well, and it's and, and <laughs> well, and Harry Potter specifically, like as somebody who married a Harry Potter fan and has I become one by osmosis, um, the 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 first two movies are so rough to go back to. Yeah. It's, it's such a bad start to that, and it's just you got to do the no, no, no. The third one's the good one, so wait till that one. And just like, yeah, you know, it's like so four funny, hours though? of my life. What, sorry? What's so funny? What's so funny about the Harry Potter stuff is that the first two movies are okay, in my opinion. I hated the third one because the third one was my favorite book, and right? They trashed the book for the movie, but like right. people who haven't read the book say the third is one of their favorites in the series, and I'm just like. But it's not right. <laughs> but 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 that but that's the thing is that like you might get to the third one and they don't like that one either, which I yeah, have yeah, heard, yeah. and it's just like, Bleh. yeah. Well, um, sorry. Quick question, uh, because you're now apparently a Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. What house are you? Hufflepuff. <laughs> Same. I'm a Ravenclaw. <laughs> nice. Actually, I. I I've met very few Ravenclaws in my life. I know, and they get the merch wrong. I'm so mad. <laughs> it's gold and blue, not silver and blue. Oh, that sucks. Yes, or bronze <laughs> and blue, actually. So fuck off, everybody that makes Ravenclaw merch. Just because we don't have a main character in a movie doesn't mean you get to fuck up our merch. Um, wow. Was, Cho, was Cho Chang Ravenclaw or was she Hufflepuff? She was, uh, she was a Ravenclaw. Okay. Uh, well, well, you got Kavadi that. Patil was a Ravenclaw. Um, you got you got you got all the cool people of color. Yeah. That that oh, also we're listen, not we're not um, we're we're out of listen, the way you'd in terms listen, of for the white people. Uh, in terms of racial stereotypes, the two people I listed as Ravenclaw were Asian, and there's a very very specific type oh. of stereotype mm. with Ravenclaw. That yeah. maybe there's some racist undertones there. Yeah. Is all I'm saying. Oh wow! Think about it. Oh my god! Did, yeah. did I crack the code? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> then again, this is the school where they pooped in the hallways, so you know. <laughs> <laughs> They're not exactly sensitive to other people's needs and feelings. Listen, fan fiction is much better. We don't have to listen to J.K. Rowling anymore. Just, just I agree. Fan fiction. <laughs> fan fiction is in a way more pure than the actual source material. <laughs> J.K. Rowling has like ruined it for her, for all of us. Yeah, like like if you want to love Harry Potter, you have to ignore her. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to love Harry Potter, you have to not read Harry Potter. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, I think that's a perfect way to end this podcast. Oh, I do want to uh, say, um, do you have anything to plug? Sure. Um, so if you like me swearing uh then you won't like my podcast where i don't swear um yeah my podcast is called elwood city limits uh my friend lucas and i have been going through arthur the pbs kids show episode by episode for the past three years and we're just about to finish season eight of like 20 million so we've got a long way to go and we have a huge backlog and the episodes run about uh uh, 60 to 90 minutes so if you're looking for something that's pretty funny and interesting and if you like Arthur and if you want to uh, get a big backlog of episodes going we've got that for you that's uh, Elwood City Limits we're on Facebook on Twitter on Tumblr and on Instagram and if you want to follow just me I am uh, William Y on Twitter that's at W-I-L-L-Y-U-M W-H-Y Will Yum, as in yum, good food, and then why, as in the question. 
I haven't found awesome. a good way. To, I haven't found a good way to say that because I had to. I had to fuck up my actual name in that one. Like it, I would just spell my name normally, but some other prick has William Y. The spelled normally, so. <laughs> It is what it is, I guess. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, it's tough. Also, uh, you know, you guys should check out uh, Ashlyn and I. Um, we're doing a new podcast focused on Disney live actions and Disney Channel original movies called Disney Dives. So make sure to check that out. The first episode dropped on the 6th of January. That rules. What, what's your first episode? Mary Poppins. Oh, good one to start with. Uh, yeah. I actually we're starting off I strong. Actually, <laughs> absolutely. You got to. I just... Uh, uh, quit halfway through watching 1994's Tom and Huck with Jonathan oh, oh, Taylor really? Thomas and Brad Renfro. Oh, so man. have fucking fun with that. That, that <laughs> trash movie gives me life. I love that movie. And you know why Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was like the original, like, he was my heart. He's a, he's a cute, he was a cute little puppy boy. You know, it's so, it it's so funny because Jonathan Taylor trends a lot on uh, Twitter during football season because he's a football player. Oh, okay. But the first time I saw Jonathan Taylor, I checked to see if it was Jonathan Taylor Thomas coming back and having an acting career after being retired for 15 <laughs> years. It's and JT- I was so disappointed. <laughs> it's, J- it's JTT or GTFO. <laughs> but hey, I mean, he's, he's. He's also directing episodes of TV. You just have to watch Tim Allen in 2019. <laughs> oh, God. So there's That's a real monkey. There's the real monkey's paw curling. <laughs> I want Jonathan Taylor Thomas to go but back not to TV. Like this. <laughs> okay. On a Tim um, Allen comedy. I hope you guys have a wonderful week. William, thank you so much for Yeah, thank you so much. I've had a really good Uh, time. Thanks for having me. It's been great. And we will see you uh, next week, you guys. Uh, The audience will see you guys next week when we talk about 50 First Dates. And we'll see William again when we talk about Lord of the Rings later on in the year. So You have my sword. (laughs) I don't think she got it, but... That's Congratulations! Okay. I, Thank you I got it. That much. was for me. <laughs> I got that joke. I've seen Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, should we should probably end the podcast. And I'm saying that. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.